Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. All right, who's ready for the word today? Me too, me too. You guys look good today. Hope you enjoyed uh, your spring break. For some people, spring break was last week. But my kids have been home all week from school, and so the house is a mess. Praise God. (laughs) Good stuff. All right. Well, we had an awesome Easter here, just celebrating Resurrection Weekend, and Um, There's a lot of people here. I was just praying that everybody would find a parking spot. And and so, all right, hey, today I'm going to be sharing on the glory of God. And, um, you know, you say glory and everybody's like, everybody gets excited about glory, but there's not a whole lot of people. Glory actually in the Bible is this very multifaceted word that, you, you hear about the glory of God and everybody's like, yeah, the glory. What, you, in church circles, you'll hear people say, yeah, I want the glory. We want the glory. I'm like, well, what is the glory? And they're like, I don't know. I just want it, you know? I don't know what the glory is, but it sounds good. And, uh, and so I, I actually feel like what, um, what the Lord is really um, speaking to me this week is that we're going to take the next four weeks including this week, and I just want to, I'm going to kind of go into a little bit more teaching mode the next four weeks, and I want to teach on some things that I feel like should be fundamental to the church, but um, aren't, okay, and, and a lot of times it's because they're not taught well, and so I want to dig into like some different things um, next week, unless the Lord changes it, I, I plan on talking about uh, the fivefold ministry and the gifts of the Spirit, um, talking about prophecy, talking about uh, speaking in tongues, those different things. And I just want to teach you guys well on that because um, I believe they should be things that are fundamental in the body. And, uh, and so this, these next four weeks we're going to teach, but it's also an invitation for some of you to step into some things that you maybe have not stepped into before. Um, at the beginning of the year, I felt like the Lord told me what he was going to do this year and this community and this group of believers is that he was going to mature his church. And, uh, and so I believe um, even if you come and you think you're mature, or you might be mature, or maybe you're like, no, I'm, I'm immature Christian. I, I'm a baby. And uh, that's okay. It doesn't matter where you're at. The Lord does, though, want to uh, build you up. He wants to teach you. He wants to equip you. That's his heart for your life. But the deal is he wants to, he's available, he's invited you. But a lot of times it is up to you to actually say yes to him. Amen. How many of you want to say yes to him or how many of you say yes? Awesome. That's like most of you. So that's exciting. And, um, you know, I told the, um, about, I don't know, four years ago, um, me and Austin, my wife, we were in just a little transition in our lives is before we knew we were going to be pastoring this church and the Lord was doing a lot inside of me, but I, I, there was this deep hunger to know for, for more of him. That was, uh, I think at the core, I, 
I, I felt like there were some things that the Lord had put inside of me that I hadn't yet seen come to fruition. And I was just like, Lord, I am hungry for what you have shown me. And I remember, um, I remember praying this prayer while cutting grass because when I cut grass, uh, that's kind of like my either, it's either like the prayer time, you know, time you're talking to God or you're just talking to yourself, which is not always the best thing. You're like, who is this crazy person living with me? And, um, and so, but I was, I remember cutting the grass and I remember just saying this very bold prayer saying, Lord, I, all I want when it comes to, to church, when it comes to the body is I want to be surrounded by some people and in the same room with some people who just love you, who are willing to just go after you and worship to give you their lives. That's what I want. That's who I want to fellowship with. You know, who you fellowship with is really important. And it's doesn't, you know, I used to live with this idea that I couldn't um, have friends or, or I, I couldn't have people in my life that didn't know the Lord or did bad things. And, and I'm not like that. I love everybody, love to be around people. But the people that I am sharing life with, the people that I'm having deep conversation with, that I surround myself with are people who I know they believe the Lord. And uh, it doesn't mean like there, there are lots of people I can spend a little time with, but the people who I'm investing the deepest parts of my life with that I'm rubbing shoulders with, that I'm receiving from, are those who believe the Lord. And um, I think um, we, I think the Lord as, um, as you are, the Bible says you are sons and daughters. Everyone led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters. You've been given that right. And there should be a distinction to your life because of who you fellowship with. One being the Lord and two being other believers and those who, um, are causing you to be built up in the faith. You can have lots of relationships, but those that are forming the way you see life should be those who know the Lord and see him. Is I believe the Lord wants to, the, the, the Bible actually says we are, um, we, we are like foreigners in this land, right? Is that we have a heavenly mindset. We have a, we, we, the Bible, Peter actually says that we're like aliens, okay? You're probably, you might be like, I don't want to be an alien. Um, he simply meant this. He meant that you, you, you have a different set of values. You, you live life by a heavenly set of values that the culture around you might not understand, right? So th- what I'm saying is there should be a distinction to your life. If your life fits very well in with secular culture, you may need to ask the Lord some hard questions, right? And um, so... The glory of God, all right, y'all ready? Glory of God, I, but I, I said all that to say I love you, and I, I, lo- I, I, I love that you are a people that say yes to the Lord. Then the room you say, how many of you say yes? And the room says, we say yes to the Lord. Like whatever he wants, whatever he wants, however, however, however he wants to speak, however he wants to come, we say yes to him. And so, um, so that, that whole intro right there was to say the prayer I prayed while I was cutting my grass, the Lord answered that. So thank you. You're an answer to a prayer I prayed four years ago. Amen. All right. Everybody say the glory of God. Glory God. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. And um, I'm going to read this. 
and we're going we're gonna to kind of build around this passage this morning. Uh, I want to give you guys some definitions of glory that, that we see in the Bible, and then um, we, we're going we're gonna, to, just like every week, we're going to look at Jesus today. We're going to set our eyes on him. I believe he want, Jesus wants to reveal himself to you today. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it starts off, um, well, let me give you, let me give you a little um, uh, context to this. Paul here is talking about Moses. He's talking about, and if you know who Moses is, he was responsible for receiving the law, the Ten Commandments from the Lord, and, and everything. He, he was responsible for bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, and Moses was, um, he was a friend of God. He knew God. He, he was the one who prayed, God, show me your glory. And God actually said, if you see my glory, you'll die. And he said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to hide you in a, little, in, a, in a little cave, in a little crack of rock, and I'm going to pass by, and you're going to be able to see my back. And that happens, and, and regularly the, Moses would go and he would meet with the Lord, and it says that he would, come, he would meet with him on a mountain. He would come down, and the Bible at one point said that his face was glowing when he came down. And he actually put on a veil to um, hide his face. But Paul goes on to say that, that Moses didn't put a veil over his face to keep people from you know, seeing the brightness of his face, but he said he put a veil over his face to to, um, so that people wouldn't see that the glory is fading. And he said, the, and he, what he said was the law, the old covenant, that you try and be righteous on your own, he said that was a fading glory. He said, but the glory of the new covenant in Christ, of who he is to us, is an increasing glory. All right? So we have good news here is that we are not part of a covenant any longer that is a fading glory. It is only an increasing glory. Okay? Um, so that was where he, where I'm going to start, where he says, we are not like Moses who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened for even to this day, that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. Um, what he's saying here is he, he's using this veil as an example, saying that Israel, he was saying in, in his time, even to this day, whenever they hear the, the old covenant, when they hear the words of the law, they can't see Jesus. They don't understand God's heart because they haven't yet made Jesus Lord. And what he's saying is the law and what it says, the old covenant, is only perceived rightly when Jesus is Lord. Okay? And then he goes on to say, so un until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. All right? And then it says, now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. 
We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the spirit. All right, we're gonna be coming back to that. Um, There are a few, a couple different words for glory that we're gonna talk about. The first one is kabod, which is the Hebrew word for glory. And kabod can be translated as weight, strength, power, ability. Second, it means honor, glory, magnificence, dignity, splendor. So it covers a lot of ground, okay? If we say, let's give glory to the Lord, we're giving honor to him, we're giving praise to him, okay? That is a giving him glory. There is also, um, you could use this, this word as if, if um, talking about something's worth, okay? If Brian here was worth if he had a million dollars in the bank, well, he has a certain glory to him. He was like, no, I don't, I'm sorry. But there's a certain glory, there's a certain weight, there's a certain value to his possessions, to, uh, as far as possessions to him, right? There's also, um, if, if there was somebody who is a very beautiful person, is that there's a certain glory of beauty to their life, right? You know, with me? And so that's, that's what kabod means is, but again, it's this expansive word that it covers a lot of ground. Um, the, the Greek word that we find in the Bible for glory is doxa, which um, is similar meaning. It's just the, if, if you are studying Hebrew, Greek in the Bible, you're going to see those two words. Um, there's this other word that you actually, for glory, that you won't find in the Bible, and it's the Shekinah glory of God, which is the manifest presence of God on earth. And this is where we get that word from, is that um, when, the, when the Old Testament, when the Torah was being completed between then and the New Testament, there was some rabbis, some Jewish rabbis, that they used this word to teach the, uh, the, the Hebrew people about the glory of God. They used it, so this would be a good example of what Shekinah glory looks like in the Bible. Um, let's go to Numbers chapter nine. Y'all with me today? All right, we're going somewhere. So it says, on the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. The Lord, at the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. And so the Lord actually came to the Israelites when they were, as they left Egypt, and the Lord was leading them through the, the, uh, to the promised land, the Lord came as a cloud by day and fire by night, and he rested over the tent, the meeting place, their, their mobile temple, you could say, okay? So the Lord came, and, he, and what would happen is, um, he would come as a, a pillar of cloud, he would, he, and the Israelites would see him, and he would move, and they would follow it, and then he would, it would stop, and they would make camp right there. And that's how the Lord led them. So the Lord manifested himself, manifesting his, his glory to them, right? It, it was a physical manifestation on earth, Right? It was the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God. That's how they began to talk about it. This is the manifesta- manifestation of God's presence. 
So it's how, um, so, so it, you're, you're not, if you did a word study in the Bible, you're not going to find that, but it was a way that rabbis would teach people about God coming and revealing himself, coming in his glory and saying, this is how I'm physically manifesting, okay? We're going somewhere with this. This is important. All right. I'm gonna give you a few quick scriptures. I'm gonna like shoot them like machine gun at you really quick, okay? Um, John chapter one, verse 14, talking about Jesus. He says, the word talking about Jesus as the word. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So we see this Jesus coming who is the glory of the father. So what is Jesus? Jesus is the Shekinah glory of God. Jesus was the physical manifestation of the glory of the father, right? How many of you know the Bible? So, so Jesus was, the, the Colossians says that he was the perfect image of the Father, right? So Jesus is the glory of God. Would y'all agree? Jesus is the glory of God. He was, he was the, so everything in the Old Testament it is foreshadowing and prophesying of this man, Jesus. It, it is talking, it, it is pointing to some, it, not pointing to just something, but it is pointing to someone. And so God, God was intentional about everything, okay? I, we could go through the Old Testament and I could, we could, we could, I could show you so many places that foreshadowed the new covenant, God's plan of redemption, God's desire um, for humanity to know him. He was intentional about everything that he did. And so when God decided, I'm gonna come like a cloud by day and fire by night, resting on this meeting place, and my glory fills that meeting place, he was painting a picture of something that was to come. So what was he painting a picture of? What happened in Acts when the disciples gathered in one place, right? The, the disciples, Jesus had already laid hands on them and imparted Holy Spirit into their lives within them, okay? But then they came into a room, these believers, and it says they were in one mind and one accord praying because it's what Jesus told them to do. And then we see the Holy Spirit come upon them as tongues of fire resting upon their heads, so again, we see God physically manifesting himself, resting above the new temple, which is me and you. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? Y'all following me? This is good news. This is, this is exciting where we're going here because this is what happened for us is that we became a dwelling place for the very manifested presence of God. So God said, if... If, he, if, if that picture in the Old Testament of the, the fire by night resting upon the temple is now seen in the New Testament, he's saying this, you're a temple for my Holy Spirit and my manifest presence wants to come and rest upon your life and, I'm, and my glory fills you, okay? Let me, let me give you some scripture. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19 
It says, consequently. Um, he's saying consequently because he's, he, he prefaced this with talking about what the cross meant for you, what the blood of Jesus meant for you, is that there's no separation anymore. Is how many, last week, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, Easter, we talked about the resurrection, what that meant for you. You are no longer foreigners. You are, you have become a place that the Lord wants to come and dwell. There's no separation between you and him, right? How many of you believe that? There's no separation. All right. So consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So the scripture is saying, you have become the temple, by, you have become um, a dwelling place for him. You are not just, um, so I think I shared this a couple weeks ago, start the service, is that you aren't just someone who the Lord sacrificed his, his life for and so he could reconcile you. His, his goal was redemption, but redemption was ground zero, and now he is building you up into a temple that you actually carry the glory of God. If you wonder, like, what does God want from me? He wants to dwell in you. He wants to dwell in you and upon you. Um, Pastor Bill Johnson says this. He said, the Holy Spirit in you is for you. The Holy Spirit upon you is for others. So what happened on the day of Pentecost is there were disciples who had the Holy Spirit. They were led. They were led by him. Holy Spirit was beginning to teach them and reveal Jesus. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit a little bit today. But then on the day of Pentecost, he came and he rested upon them. And that was for every, it was for the 3,000 around them that minutes later after he comes, they give their lives to the Lord and they're saved. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit upon them was for others. It actually put them into motion. It actually put them into action. He actually said, okay, this is what I'm gonna do by my spirit resting upon you. Right? I would say this is that I think many believers, whether you realize it or not, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. But I would also say this is I don't think that there are many believers that know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit resting upon them. And my desire is that we would be a body, that we would be a people that know what it's like to have him resting upon us. I believe the rest, the, the Holy Spirit resting upon you, the way you, the that, that comes at what we were talking about earlier at, during worship, where it is this place of saying, God, I want more of you. I'm gotta get all the other stuff out the way so that you can rest upon me. It is, it is the, we see Jesus, right, when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. It was this picture of a gentle dove. And it's this place where if you want a dove to land on your shoulder, you have to be aware of it. You can't be just doing whatever and think that this gentle dove is gonna come and land as you have to be aware. For me, I'm saying holy, my relationship with the Holy Spirit looks like me saying, what do you want? How do you wanna come? I told this story in the beginning of 2019, I'd go and sit down at my piano and 
Um, I was used to just jamming and singing songs and being great, but this one time I sat down and this great, it was like a reverence for the Lord came on my life and I didn't just want to sing any song. Just in the moment, I was like, I don't wanna just play a note. I was like, the Lord's here and I only wanna do what he wants. And I'd say this, it was a moment where the Holy Spirit came upon me because I said, I, Holy Spirit, whatever you're leading, however you wanna lead, and I believe the Lord wants to teach you that life. Not where you're, it's not a life of fear. It's not, I'm not scared, but it, it is this thing of like, I just really respect him and I just have a lot of reverence for him and I don't wanna move without him. You know, if, if you were walked into the presence of royalty, if you were going to meet a king or the president or somebody, how many of you would probably watch the way you acted? You probably just wouldn't say anything. You wouldn't be like, what's up, bro? You'd be like, you would, you would show honor and respect. And a lot of times I believe we, we want the Lord, but we don't think about what he wants. We don't think about what he's worthy of. And I believe he's wanting to establish honor in our hearts is that I don't wanna have a corporate gathering where we just gather and it's just loosey-goosey, just whatever we do, you know, it's just, it's why I don't wanna just have our nice order of service and it be like whatever, because it doesn't honor him. I'd, when we come into the presence of a king, it is what he wants. The goal is to honor him, right? And so we, if, if you come on a Sunday and as we gather, and I'm saying this is individually, but cor- I wanna just speak to the corporate gathering, is I desire, so y- I, in a minute I'm gonna sh- continue with talking about individually, you are a carrier of the glory of God. You have, you, the Bible says that you have been co-glorified with Christ. I'm gonna keep on with that, but I just kinda feel like the Lord wants to speak to the corporate gathering, is that corporately, um, what, what would happen if corporately we came in with, like the disciples came um, on the day of Pentecost, it said they came with one mind, one accord, meaning this, they said, we've got this one goal. We've got this one goal. We're coming before the king. And what do you want? What do you want? What, what's the song you desire to hear? What's the, do you, do you even want a song? I heard, I heard a story one time of this, uh, he's a worship leader from South America and him and some people, they said, we're gonna go and we're gonna do these big outdoor um, worship services in the United States. And, um, and they, uh, it was during COVID and, and so outdoor was the way you had to go. And so they did this, they, they invited people, thousands of people come show up. They've set up the equipment. There's who knows how much money invested in this and um, they get to the side of the stage and they're praying and multiple people feel like the Lord's saying, we're not supposed to go on the stage. And he said, we invited people to an event we didn't show up to. And he said, you wanna know what our worship was? It was not going on stage, it's what the Lord wanted. He said that was our worship to him. And I just, I don't, I don't wanna touch what's his, I wanna honor him, he's worth it, because here's the deal, it's not that he's, it's not that it, it's, I, I don't, my, my heart is not that I fear that he's just gonna strike me down, it's not that. My hope is that as I honor him, he's gonna come. 
My hope is that as I make a place for him and I get all my stuff out the way and say, this is just about you. If you're in the room, Lord, it's all that's needed. It's, it's more than enough. Everything else is gonna work out if I just have you. But how do I prepare myself in a way where you wanna actually come with your manifest presence and sit here? Because we know God is everywhere, but there's something about when God is there. There's something about where he's in the room and there is the physical manifestation of his presence. And you say, I don't, look, I've been in rooms before where he comes and I don't wanna say a word and I don't wanna move. And the truth is, is I have tasted and seen that and that's what I live for. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better when undeniably he's in the room. And that's what I, I, I live for. And I want to tell you this is that there's so much more of him. There's so much more. You know, um, you may come into a room like this and you, you walk in and maybe your whole week you did, weren't ever aware of the Lord. And then you come in and you're like, oh, the Lord's here. The presence of the God's here. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. I love coming here because the presence of God is here. And uh, the truth is, is that you can experience that anywhere, but you haven't necessarily paid the price to encounter his presence in that way. Meaning this is that you are a benefactor of somebody else's sacrifice, somebody else's time that they've spent with the Lord stewarding his presence, making a place for him. Does that make sense? Is corporately, I heard somebody say this, is that he said, you know how ministries are born? He said, an individual makes covenant with the Lord. Meaning this, an individual says, Lord, I want you. You can do this in me. It cost me something. I know this, my salvation was, was completely him. Everything, the sanctification, he did all of that. But the more of God encountering him, the glory of God, it means you have to move something out the way to make room for him. And you can be a benefactor of somebody, the glory of, on somebody else that is resting on somebody else's life. But the Lord wants to make covenant with you where you begin to move some stuff out of your, the way to make room for him in your life. You can either have where you're like, hey, I'm saved and I'm good, but these are kind of my spaces in life. Whatever are your spaces that are untouchable, you have left God out of them. But wherever you'll say, God, I'm open, I want you in every space, it will look like there is a constant cutting away in your life. Because what he'll do is he'll simplify everything and be your one thing. And the best part of your life will come out of that one place. That's why Paul, when I, I we talked about it in Philippians where he said everything else is garbage, he found, I believe he found the key to life in the Lord is he said, I let him cut away everything. I let him cut away everything that doesn't look like him and it's worth it. He said, I've tasted, I've had the finances and I've had this and it doesn't mean that life in the Lord doesn't look like secure finances. I'm saying either way, it's fine. Like I, look, money's not a bad thing, okay? It's whenever you put that above the Lord. All right, but I'm saying like there is something freeing. There is something liberated liberating in your life when you hold loosely everything in your life. Some of you, if the Lord asked for your job, you wouldn't give it to him. And that's only a place where, because here's the deal, you have put a limit on your life. 
It doesn't mean that you need to go quit your job. It just means like you need to ask the Lord. It's you live in a way, it's a heart posture before him where you say, Lord, everything is yours. And that's how you walk in the glory of God. That's how you encounter him and experience him where it is surrender after surrender so that you can receive more and more from him. He will not coexist. He, you know, I heard this, I was telling the prayer team this earlier, I hear, hear this from plenty of pastors, but it's just true. He says, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all, right? And, uh, but I, I'm saying he is worth it. He is worth your everything, knowing him, him resting upon your life, being full of him. There's nothing like it. Y'all good today? All right. Um, I love this scripture in Colossians. Your, your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God in Christ. Your true life, the thing that you've been searching for, it's hidden away in Jesus. <laughs> it's hidden away. The life that you're like, I want this, I, I, this is what I really want. The life, the thing that would really birth eternal life in you is hidden in Christ. This isn't about us finding the way to live our best life ever and just how can I, this is like, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know if I have the words for this other than like in my pursuit of him, I have just found that there's, there's nothing I could put my hands on that would ever compare to just being with him. And I feel like we pursue so many things without pursuing him. We've put so many things before him and the fruit of that is fear and anxiety and shame. And if we would just trust God, our lives would be so much bigger and better than we could ever think up. If, if it's in your hands, you've gotta make it happen. But if it's in the Lord's hands and he's Lord, gosh, who knows what could happen? Who knows what could happen? The creator of all things, the God of all things, because he doesn't just want you to have a nice life. He wants you to be a transformative person that wherever you go, heaven comes. All right. Romans 8, 17, and since we are his true children, we qualify to share all of his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Come on, if you're, you, should, you gotta hear this. This should shake us. This should make us like jump out of our seats. We are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We, we, uh, we will experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe Hear this, the entire universe, it's waiting on something. The, think about this, close your eyes and think about this. The entire universe, the stars, the galaxies, the trees, the people, all the creation, it's waiting on something. 
The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. There's anticipation. All of creation is saying, we're waiting for this one thing, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. There's an unveiling that happens when sons and daughters who realize, who realize I, I am that picture of the Old Testament where I'm a temple and he's resting upon my life and his glory fills my life. And it's meant, all of creation wants to respond to that. All of creation is waiting for someone to say, Lord, I'll trade everything to be full of your glory and to have you resting on me. To put my whole life in your hands to, at whatever the cost to have you. He's worth it. I have, I have more, but we might just have to pick up next week. You know, um, actually, let me do this. Y'all okay? Can y'all give me like three minutes? I am, I am ending here. Going back to where we started, verse 18, 2 Corinthians 3, it says this, we can all draw close to him, talking about Jesus, with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. So this is what happens. As we see Jesus, we become like him. We become what we behold. If Jesus is the Shekinah glory of God, if that's who he was, he, he was the glory of God revealed in the earth. Now by his spirit living in you, you are now the Shekinah glory of God in the earth. You are now the revealed glory of God. What an honor, what an honor. Not because it's about us, but man, that he would choose to come and dwell with this, not only dwell with, but in his people. That he would, act, Jesus would actually say this, I wanna come and I wanna form myself in you. And I, there's actually gonna be a glory on your life because I live in you. Jesus isn't afraid of living in you. He's not afraid of you having a glory about you because it honors him. It only speaks to him. I don't know about you, but I, I, for me, if there's like three people in the room that say, hey, I'm getting this, I'm good. To think that you are the glory of God in the earth. Why would we settle for anything else? Why would you settle for just the American dream when you could be the glory of God in the earth? Whew. That's all I want. He's gonna take care of me. He's gonna take care of my family and everything. But there's one thing that I'm after. It's him. It's that he would rest on my life. Is that, look, for me, Jesus said, you will do greater works than me. For me, I'm saying, I want the greater works. Why? Because he said it, because I know it's what he wants. And I just don't want to stand in the way. I don't want my stuff. Like, I, I've realized he is the only one worth pursuing. And then it goes on to say, we are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. 
And this glorious transfiguration or transformation comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So who transforms us? It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. God does that. He's the one forming you into Jesus. This isn't about you. Look, um, quote this book I've been reading by Rick Joyner. He said this. He said, we don't change so that we can meet with God. He says, we meet with God so we can be changed. So I'm not trying to transform myself. I just have to see him. I just have to come and be with him. So in the quiet of my life, and and I, I make space for him, I make room, I make time to just come and sit with him. Even without words, if I can just see him. The Bible says, if it doesn't say if you pray all the right prayers, you become like him. You simply see him. You simply sit with him. I'm not saying you, you may never physically see him, okay? But his presence is his voice, meaning that you sit long enough to get to know what he's like. And in the whisper and the still voice, he begins to share with you and begins to speak to your spirit, man. And whether you know it or not, there's transformation happening. There's the shifting and the changing. I didn't know how to be gentle with my kids until I realized Jesus was gentle. Some of you, you, you're like, I've got anger problems. You just need to sit with Jesus long enough to see his gentleness. And his gentleness will cause you to become gentle. The Bible says that we become holy by encountering the Holy One. Some of you be like, oh, I've got this issue. And you just need to go sit with him. He transforms you. He's not saying go get better and then come and see me. He's saying just come and see me and sit with me and let me transform you. And I'm building you into a temple that carries my glory. How do we see this region transformed? How do we see the glory of God come to the city? Is we become walking temples. We become walking holy of holies. We become the glory of God in the earth. What God wants to do in this region isn't necessarily gonna happen within this building. It's gonna be whenever we start walking in his glory. It's when we've made space in our lives to become a resting place. It's when we've learned to make him Lord of everything. And in the simplicity of walking with him, you walk into a room and just because you're there, the glory of God's there and anything can happen. Amen. This life is not, it's not complicated. It's simple when you know surrender. It's simple when you know the joy of surrendering to the one who isn't looking to tear you down. He's just looking to build you up. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Come on, let's, let's just, again, we, we lift our hands and surrender this morning. I, I don't even feel like this morning, you don't, you don't even need someone to like pray for you. You don't, all, you don't need a nice worship song. The Lord is just looking for the decision of your heart. He's looking for you to cross the line, the line that you said, well, that doesn't seem safe. And the, all the what ifs, if you give him everything, the Lord is looking, saying, will you make the decision to cross all the, the lines of the what ifs and to say, I'll follow you, Lord. 
The Lord's looking for your immediately and he's not looking to take from you. He's looking to build you into a temple that is, that is filled with his glory and that his glory rests upon. And so I believe today, some of you just in this moment, the Lord's saying, will you say yes to that? Will you let him speak to you? Some of you need to say, Lord, what does that look like? What does that look like? that look like Jesus today we say here are our hearts and our lives we want your presence we want Jesus you are the glory of God and you live inside of us and you have made a decision in your mercy and your grace that we would be co-glorified with you so Jesus we want to reveal you in the earth So today we surrender all. We surrender all of our ways of doing things, all of our preconceived ideas, all of our our religion, all of our, um, our preconceived ideas of what life looks like. Lord, Lord, we repent this morning for having our own worldview and not asking you what you think. We repent for not asking you what you think about life and for not making it our goal to see things how you see things. Lord, we repent for having opinions that are different from yours, that are contradictory to yours. Lord, we wanna be, Lord, you are the goal. You went to the cross so that you could dwell within us, Lord. And we repent for not having a goal that we would be a people that you dwell within. We, we repent for, for being satisfied, Lord, with our form and with all of our busyness, Lord, and all of our good works, but we haven't been a people, Lord, that have known you by experience. And today, Lord, I thank you that those under the sound of my voice, Lord, that there would be a shift in our hearts, that there would be a hunger that would come that would say, just Jesus, just him. Lord, that my life, you would, we give, we say, you can come and do whatever you want. You can shift what you want. You can change the goal. You can change the plan. Lord, all I want is to walk with you. Jesus, you prayed that we would be one with you and we wanna be an answer to that prayer, that we would be one with you. Come on, even now, Lord, come and shift our hearts. Let your word come like a seed planted in our hearts that's gonna produce fruit. We just surrender now, Lord, I bless your people. I pray today, Lord, as they go, that your glory would be knocking at the door of the temple, saying, let me in, let me in. And Lord, that you would be saying to all of the spaces in our lives, that your glory would be saying, let me come and rest here. Let me come and live here. Let me come and make habitation here in your life, where you no longer are subject to the systems of the world, but you're subject to the kingdom of heaven. There's a higher reality. I thank you, Lord, that you are right now, that you are birthing something in our hearts. You are imparting something to our hearts that just wants to say yes to you at whatever the cost. You're worth it. You're worth it. So Jesus, we love you. Come on, we honor him today. He's worthy. He's good.
He's faithful. Jesus, thank you for being with us today. Lord, if anything, you are here. If there is nothing else, if there is no word that carried any weight, Lord, you being here is enough. Your presence changes us and transforms us. So we say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.